So what I would like for you to talk with you to, tonight is about um, a daughter's defining moments. A daughter's defining moments. Now, when you hear that statement, you might think of one of your children, one of your grandchildren. Nope, talking about you. Talking about you. One of the things or two of the things that you and I have in common is one, we're women. Yes, praise the Lord. That's a good thing. We're honored to that God called us to be women. But the second is that we are daughters. It doesn't matter if you have siblings or not. God, your father, has created you. And if you accept him into your life, you have a spiritual birth. You are identified and he calls you his daughter. And there's something about when you call somebody your daughter, you are declaring to everyone, hey, she belongs to me. You are declaring to everyone that she has access to me. How many of you are daughters? If you are birth mother, then you have, there's a special place in your heart for, for daughters, for your daughter. You know, there's a reason why, um, society has, has coined the term the mama bear. You know, because if somebody goes to mess, and even, even if you're not a birth mother, if you're an aunt, if you're a spiritual mother, someone goes to mess with your baby, you better watch it. Yes? yes. You know, and you will make no apologies about it. You know? You'll rip, tear, snort, and bleed, and then just say, well, that's your issue. Don't hurt my baby. You know? Well, the same thing applies to us and uh, to God and us. We are his daughters. And he paid the highest price to make sure that you and I have that belonging. That you and I have that access to be his daughters. He gave the highest price. He sent his son, Jesus. So that you and I could be called a daughter. Okay? We have all had, as daughters, defining moments. Now, whenever you hear this word, defining moment, what is a defining moment? A defining moment is a point in your life when you are urged to make a pivotal decision or when you experience something that fundamentally changes you. But they have a transformative effect on our beliefs and our behavior. And there are components in these defining moments. You can have high defining moments. You can also have low defining moments. You can have high defining moments. You graduated from high school. Some of you say that was so long ago. Doesn't matter. Are you graduated from college? Those are defining moments. I remember seeing my loved one when she graduated from, from, from college. I was crying there with her as if I had done the work. But I just saw the labor and the stuff that she did. I'm like, it is so amazing. You know, we celebrate with them. Okay. You have defining moments of a dream coming about and maybe earning your, uh, starting your own business. Defining moments of, of, uh, a, a successful um, a project in your career, a defining moment in getting married, a defining moment in giving birth. But then you can also have a defining moment through a tragedy, through a trauma, 
through a health crisis. And each one of those defining moments, the enemy is right there. But so is God. And the enemy would want to use that defining moment, maybe of our mess-ups, or somebody else's mess-ups, to define us. But I want to talk about whenever we surrender, when we fix our, our thoughts, our attitude. Even in the defining moments that seem to have marked us, maybe on our mistakes or somebody else's mistakes that have affected us, God's love, His love can transform and will take a trauma and will make it a testimony. And His love, when we say, God, I cannot figure this out. I can't do this on my own anymore. He will take what, what Satan has meant for harm, and what does the word says? God will use it for good. Only God can do that. And so I encourage you as we look at a daughter who had a defining moment. She could have easily looked at that defining moment and that struggle that she had in her life to become bitter, to become angry, to become resentful. Uh, where are you, God? You see me in this struggle. I'm your daughter. Where are you? And what was the exchange? What was the attitude that God had? What was her response that made the defining moment a high instead of a low? What was the shift? What was the turnaround? See, I believe you and I, we've had defining moments. But maybe the enemy has had to squish us down because there were some low moments. But when we come to Jesus, he takes every moment. And he truly makes something beautiful out of it. To where that moment does not define us. But it's the one that created us, defines us. Yes? Amen. Amen. There are characteristics in a defining moment. There's three of them. You can write these down. Defining moments, they will reveal. They will test. And they will shape. They can reveal what's really going on. They can reveal what we're really made out of. They can test our character. They can even test and see the measure of faith that we have. They can also shape our beliefs and our values. And all of those, in, the, in that, you can have good, and you can have some of those defining moments, but maybe they shape something bad. But when we go to Jesus, He will show us. He will reveal to us. Has the moment defined us and how we see ourselves or how others see us? Or have we allowed the moment with God to define who we are? Okay? In James 1, 2 through 4, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, and it's saying it is going to come. Okay? When trouble comes your way, 
And let it be an opportunity for joy, for when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. So what I'd like for us to look tonight is a defining moment of a daughter in Mark 5, 21 through 34. And in this part of the scripture, Jesus had was on the other side of the uh, Lake of Galilee and just uh, did an incredible miracle. And um, uh, a man that had had severe demon oppression, um, um, the Lord freed him. Okay, and um, and then so he gets on the other side of the lake, and 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 word is getting around of the miracles and the power and the truth of Jesus, and so crowds are following him, and so at this point he's he's getting off of the boat, and a leader uh, of the synagogue um, goes and approaches him, and with humility and a believer, and says, Lord. Uh, My daughter is, and we're going to pick it up right here. His name is Jairus. The leader of the synagogue, whose name was Jairus, came and fell before him, pleading with him to heal his little daughter. She is about to die, he said in desperation. Please come and place your hands on her and heal her so that she can live. Jesus went with him. And the crowd thronged behind him. In other words, they were just all over him. Now, I want us to pause for a moment. Every part of Scripture, every sentence, every statement is in there for a reason. And every part of Scripture is inspired and is spoken by God. This isn't just some old book. This is the inspired Word of God. So it's not by chance or by accident that in this very passage, It might seem like a very casual story, but everything about it is intentional. And so, and as the crowd was thronged behind him in verse 25, there was a woman in the crowd who had a hemorrhage for 12 years, and she had suffered a great deal from many doctors through the years and had spent everything she had to pay them. And she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. And she heard about Jesus. Look to somebody next to you, say, she heard about Jesus. I'm going to continue. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched the fringe of his robe. Then she, then the verse says, she thought to herself. Look to somebody next to you, say, she thought to herself. I'm going to continue. If I can just touch his clothing, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel that she had been healed. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned to the crowd, and he asked, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, All the crowd is pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? And even in in chapter Luke, uh, in the book of Luke, where it talks about the same story, Peter is like, Lord, I mean, how, how are we supposed to answer that? Everybody is around you, you know? 
But it says in verse 32, but he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and told him what she had done. And he said to her, what did he say? He called her daughter. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You have been healed. It was very, that word was very significant. That word was not just a cool thing to say. It was intentional for what was taking place in in that time. So I want us to look at just three takeaways of a daughter. What can we learn? What can we glean from this? Point number one is the law. See, in biblical times, when someone, was, like a woman, whether she had her menstrual cycle or whatever was going on, is that was the time she was unclean. So therefore, she could not go in the place of worship. She could not go in the synagogue, which is like their church, where they worship, where they had the law. She couldn't go there because the law stated that she was unclean. Even to the point to where if someone was walking around or if someone was in the vicinity and they knew that she was unclean, it was almost like a, it was, a, it was like an embarrassment. It was a rejection because then even priests would, would yell and say, unclean, unclean, and they would get away, you know? And so picture if there is an overwhelming amount of rejection overwhelming amount of because of what's happening in my body, but not just for a time period, for 12 years. For 12 years, she had been surrounded in her mind that she does not belong. For 12 years, she had not been identified or had the experience of someone being valued. See, why 12 years? There was a shift that took place when the scripture said she heard of Jesus. Then the scripture says that she thought to herself. See, she had a mindset shift. She had been thinking that of the law. You say, Dixie, what are you talking about? The law is your ability, your strength, and everything about you can look and smell and taste like pride. You step into a place that you have to make things happen in your life. You step into this mindset, this realm, that only who's going to get it done is me. So let me go and, and let me go and do it. And the problem with that is, is that we then become dependent upon our own strength and our own ability, and therefore not in a relationship with Jesus Christ and us using and walking out our faith in Him daily. But it has nothing to do with our relationship base. It has to do with, I'm going to work for my worth. What can I do to make me right? 
Is it possible? That's why she wrestled with that for 12 years. Because there was, because the church could not do it. The law could not fix what was going on in, 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 in her world. So she had to pursue an avenue. I'm going to get things done. I'm going to make things happen myself. See, she was ceremonially unclean, therefore not accepted in the synagogue to worship or of the reading of the law. Expectations were placed on her what she could and could not do. So she went in fix-it mode. This is a law mindset. I'll get right by doing all the right things. My own works will make me right. That was why there was the law. Yes, it was tell us what's right and what's wrong. But it was, you can try to do everything by the law as best as you can, but you will still not be right. You'll still need Jesus. And ladies, we can do a lot of stuff. Think about it. God knew what he was doing when he made us. Yes, we are beautifully and perfectly and wonderfully made. If you think about how a woman is wired, and I'm going to read some things, but I want you to listen to the heart behind it. It's not for you to go man bash. That's not honorable. But it's for you to look at, wow, look what God has, look how God has wired me. You know, as women, we have the ability to think all the time. Have you ever had somebody that you love without mentioning their names? Like, honey, can you just stop thinking right now? Yes. Sometimes our minds never turn off. If you ask some people, you know, that are sitting on the couch, what you thinking? You know what their response is going to be? Nothing. Our brains don't work that way. We're always thinking. And sometimes we're thinking on things that are that is taking up our time and our energy that's not even real. We will take how somebody responded then we will attach it, oh, and they must have thought this because of how they responded, or if they didn't respond a certain way, they must have thought this way, and then all of a sudden we have created this world in our mind of how they think, how they feel towards us, and what's going to be our form of action? And none of it was real. God gives us extra grace. One, in our ability and our wiring of, of thinking, Two, in speaking, we speak more words than others. You say, well, what does it matter? Well, if you think about it, I looked at some stats. Women speak 20,000 words versus men. One stat said 7,000, another stat said 13,000. Where on earth we get 20,000 words? I mean, I, 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 I can't imagine, you know? But how many of you know of friends? You say, well, I don't speak that. But how many of you know of friends, women friends that they do? And you would even say, just stop, stop, stop. Okay? But also in our ability of planning and multitasking. I will never forget um, 
my wonderful mother, uh, she was driving us to school. We were real, real young, and I just thought that all moms did this. But she was eating breakfast. She was changing gears in the station wagon and putting on mascara at the same time. She's multitasking, you know. But some of that is how God has wired us. Some individuals, one thing at a time. And if we would have just had a one thing at a time, we wouldn't know what to do with ourselves. There's become a pattern. One thing at a time. No, no, we got things to do. Do this, do this, do this. Do Pause. Take a breather. Take a breather. We can't try to fix our issues or others' issues by ourselves. It will get you nowhere and leave you frustrated and exhausted and even bitter doing it in your own strength and ability. Because you don't, and you and I do not operate with the pace of grace if we have a mindset of the law. A mindset of the law. Because whenever we take on that mindset is I have to, I have to get it done. If it's not going to get, if, if I don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. Really? That smells and tastes a lot like pride. And pride will always leave us exhausted and drained. Because pride is performance driven in your ability, not spirit led by his ability through you. We can be more drained physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And whenever we have a mindset, we have a mindset, I will get right by doing all the right things. My own, my own works will make me right. That's pride. And the word says that God opposes the proud. But James 4, 6, it says, but he gives more grace. God resists the proud, but he gives more grace to the humble. To the humble. See, when she had suffered a great deal from many doctors through the years and had spent everything she had to pay for them, she had gotten no better. In fact, the word says she had gotten worse. In Galatians 3, 19 through 20, it's talking about the law. It says, why was the law given? It was given to show people how guilty they are. But this system of the law was the last only was la- was to last only until the coming of the child to whom God promised was made and there is the fur and there is this further difference God gave his laws to angels to give to Moses who was the mediator between God and the people now a mediator is needed if two people enter into an agreement but God acted on his own when he made this promise to Abraham Well then, is there a conflict between God's laws and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could, if the law could have given us new life, then we could have made, we could have been made right with God by obeying it. But the only way to receive God's promises is believing in Jesus Christ. The only way for that daughter to 
receive, to have it declared that she was a daughter, she had to first have that mindset shift. She had to stop operating in with the mindset, I'll get it right by doing it all the right thing. I'm going to take care of this myself. I'm going to take care of this myself. And where did it leave her? Was she exhausted emotionally? I would say so. 12 years. You think of what, if you're constantly hemorrhaging, think of what it's going to do to your hormone system. Think of what it's going to do to your physical system. You say, well, Dixie, why are you going there? Because when we have a law mindset, we are literally hemorrhaging peace from leaving our body. And we are starving to try to put all the pieces back together in our lives and in our relationships because we're in performance driven or we're placing expectations on other people because those expectations were placed on us and we feel like this is how we have to operate. Is this making any sense? And sometimes it's just like, you gotta, you gotta surrender. The only way that she was able to have that mind shift was to have is, what did the scripture say? She heard about Jesus. When she heard about Jesus and she thought to herself, life was stirring in her. There has to be a better way than what I'm doing. I surrender. I surrender. So one of daughter's takeaway is, are you living the mindset, a lawful mindset? Number two, the crowd. The crowd. The crowd will always be lacking in stability. The crowd will go whichever direction the wind blows. What's popular in the moment, the crowd is fickle. They want what gives them uh, tickly ears and what makes them feel good in the moment or what's in it for me. You and I not only cannot afford the mindset of the law, you and I cannot afford the attitude of the crowd. We can't have the attitude of the crowd in our life. Say, so what do you mean, Dixie? Who are you being influenced by? Not just influenced by, by what, but who are you being influenced by? Are you trying to, are you going to the person that is, that seems to be the most popular? Are you going to the person that seems to have it all together? The only way for us to have a security and have a stability, you know what the root of insecurity is? It's pride. And you and I will have a confidence. We will have a stability and the right attitude. Whenever we surrender at the feet of Jesus. If you say, Dixie, I don't have, I need some influencers in my life. I need some godly influencers in my life. Life group leaders, leaders of the church, raise your hand. Hello? Come on, come on, raise it high. Look at these women. You need godly women to speak into your life. You need to go in and hang out with them. Get connected to a life group. Life group is not just, hey, let's just go and ha have a good time. It's more than that. 
is the people that you and I hang around and allow ourselves to influence. It can shape our views. It can shape our attitudes. And you see, in just a couple of verses before in Mark 5, 17, Jesus had just did an incredible miracle, delivered, um, again, I said, as I had said, a demon possessed man, all the demons went in the pigs, the pigs went, uh, off the cliff, and some of the, the farmers are just in awe and amazed, and then they tell the townspeople, and listen to what the crowd says. And the crowd began to plead with Jesus to go away and to leave them alone. Because it's freaking them out. They've never seen anything like that. There's demons and pigs. Uh-uh, I'm not, mm-mm, nope, I don't want it around here. God was doing something in their city, in their town. But because it made them uncomfortable. The crowd's voice was not willing to follow God or even see what they had access to. When you and I follow the crowd and have the attitude of the crowd, what's in it for me? How is it going to benefit my life? You're going to miss the beautiful things in the moment that God has for you. And then lastly, your daughter's takeaway, the law. Don't have a lawful mindset. Number two, don't have the attitude of a crowd. Number three, a daughter's takeaway is the Savior. The Savior. Don't allow the law, the crowd, to define you. Only the Savior, Jesus, can define you. See, you'll notice that whenever she was even amongst the crowd, you notice she came behind him. You notice she touched the lowest part of his robe. The crowd will always leave you in a trap of comparison and always make you feel like you got to, to scrap. You gotta, you gotta wrestle. You gotta, you gotta hustle. To get anything from the Lord. No, you don't. And so there she was. Touched the hem of his robe. And he even told it in the uh, book of Luke. There was the, Jesus turned to the disciples and he said, Someone deliberately touched me. Deliberately. And healing power left my body and impacted them. In order for those lows of those defining moments that have tried to scar us, wound us, destroy us, when you and I come to Jesus, come as you are, doesn't matter what other people have said about you. Doesn't matter what state that you're in. When you come in faith and say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, you are the only one that can transform my life. And when she touched Jesus in that moment, 
Wow. It was more than a physical healing that she got in that moment. She got an emotional healing. And that out of all the things that Jesus could have said, because don't you know, look at how cool God is. It was a leader of the synagogue that was right there. Now, the leader of the synagogue knows the ceremonial, the ceremonial stuff with an unclean woman. So God said, okay, I'm going to tell you what. I want the leader of the synagogue. I want the crowd of all the people. So I want everybody to know nothing and no one is going to define my daughter except my love and my provision for her life. He was having the final word. He was shattering all rejection. He was shattering all fear of failure. In his moment of saying and declaring, daughter, her soul, her body was whole. You and I, have the same access. But we have to recognize our need for him. The world is going to try to define us. Be strong. Don't let no one treat you this way. You stand on your own two feet. Without Jesus and us getting our strength from him, us getting our identity from him, You'll just be a Christian who lives with a mindset of the law. And you'll be missing it. You'll be a Christian who, whose emotions will be up and down and her attitude will be up and down because she hasn't experienced the security that she can have in Jesus, in His presence, and Him declaring you as a daughter. So you heard the voice, so you have the voice of the crowd louder in your head than the voice of the Father. And you say, Dixie, you don't know my story. It's hard for me to picture God as my heavenly Father. See, it's not just one daughter in this story. There's actually two. When Jairus was there and seeing the miracle take place, of the woman being healed. And then Jesus declared, my daughter, your faith has made you well. A report came, Jairus, your daughter is dead. There is nothing that that physical dad, that natural dad could do to fix the problem. Nothing. Jesus had to be on the scene. And when Jesus said, it's okay, it's okay. When Jesus went to Jairus' house, he healed her. And he gave her life. You see, Dixie, I don't have the, the, the security, the comfort of a natural father. I understand. But everything that your natural father could not provide for you, God will provide through the work of Jesus Christ. We just have to come to him. This shows me that no matter what season 
no matter what state you're in as a woman, when you come to Jesus, He'll meet you where you are. He'll bring healing. He'll bring hope. And He'll restore to you. Why? Because it's who He is. And He loves you. You're His daughter. And so right now, what I'd like for you to do, I'd like for you to turn in your Bible, and we're going to close out in prayer with this. I would like for you to turn in your Bible, and I want you to read Psalm 139, 23 through 24. And as you read this scripture, I want you to personalize it. And I want you to ask the Lord. The scripture says, search me, O God, know my heart, test me, know my thoughts, point out anything in me that offends you, and lead me on the path of everlasting life. Lord, am I I Lord of my own life? Am I working and striving with the frame of mind of performance driven? I've got to go, go, and do, do for any significance to come out of my life. Am I operating with such high expectations upon myself that I'm placing those high expectations upon people? Am I living in a, in a place of just legalism, which is a relationship killer? Lord, I ask that you speak to me. Point out anything in my heart that is hurting yours. And bring healing to your daughter. Bring truth to your daughter. Yes, can we do that right now? So right now I want you to read the scripture. And then I want you to go and I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit or point out anything in me. Lord, you know me. Because sometimes we can create patterns in our lives based upon how we were raised, based upon how we've seen other people do them. But is the pattern that you are following in your life, does it line up with God's best plan for you? Is it a pattern of grace? Are you performing? Are you working? Are you striving to be accepted and loved? If you did nothing else, God would still love you as you are. So as you read that scripture, just take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And if there's a mindset if there's an attitude that you're trying to fix it, that you're trying to, you're operating in a mode, and the Lord is saying, no, I don't want you to do that, then ask Him to forgive you. And ask Him to help you see yourself as the daughter that He sees in you. And receive that love. So go ahead and just take a moment as we have some soft worship music and just ask the Holy Spirit that. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me in the path of everlasting life.
and stand to your feet, daughters. Come on, let's just pray it together. You have the ability to just kind of lift your hands. That's just like, Lord, I'm giving it to you. Lord, I ask that you search our hearts. God, I love you so very much that no matter what state of mind I'm in, no matter what attitude I have, that God, you're not there to reject me. If anything, you're saying, come to me because I'm the only one that can break unhealthy patterns. I'm the only one that can break performance and give you a pace of grace grace in your life so Lord I thank you right now for each daughter in here they are yours and Lord I ask that any mindsets of the law of us having to perform of us having to try to make anything right and done on our own that Lord it would be broken the father that we would not have the attitude of the crowd But Lord, that we would be daughters of humility. Lord, that we would be daughters of tremendous influence. Lord, that that we would be daughters who are not strong by might, but strong in the word of God and in the spirit of God. Lord, that we would not be quick to have the last word. Lord, that we would not be quick to have the last argument and demand our rights and try to prove our worth. But Lord, may we allow the Spirit of God to be the voice that which speaks out of us. Lord, may be women of the utmost integrity. Lord, may we be daughters of virtue and holiness. Lord, may our identity and our our value and our worth be defined by the word of God and what he says about his daughters. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, if there has been any type of lie, of pride, a lie of self-reliance and self-dependency that we have literally weighed and put on as a garment. Lord, may that be broken in the name of Jesus and may we put on a garment of humility and a garment of praise that I am His and He is mine and He will be my strength. He will be my guide. Lord, may we experience in our spirit and in our minds that you delight in us. You adore us. And we are precious and valuable to you. May this truth and only the truth of your word define us as women and as daughters. Holy Spirit, I thank you for what you're already doing and for the new thing that you're about to do in us, in our homes, in our families, in our cities. In the name of Jesus, Lord, continue to show us our value in you as your daughters. May our minds hold on to that truth and may we speak that 
over ourselves. Father, I thank you for each daughter in here, Lord. May they experience greater measures of your love and value for them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Look to somebody around you before you leave and tell them, oh, you are a precious daughter. Oh, you are a beautiful daughter. You are a loved daughter, a treasured daughter. Amen. All right, ladies, we love you. We're here for you if you need anything. Uh, check out um, a Thrive Retreat coming up soon. All right, don't want to miss it, but you are dismissed. Good night.